0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Two Drunk Fans. A lot has happened since we last recorded. That seems to be the way things go, though. Like, we record and then more things happen and we have to record again. I don't know. I don't like it.
1: Gab, what are you drinking? It sounds, that sounds like life. Like, <laughs> that's just the way life happens. I am drinking a Moscow Mule. I uh, I have all the ingredients at home to make it, and I'm off today, so I'm kicking my feet up and having a cocktail. And also... Somebody I follow on Twitter, Mike Coleman, he, uh, well, I, he's my friend in real life, I guess I probably should introduce him that way. Um, but my friend in real life who I also follow on Twitter, Mike Coleman, mentioned Thin Mints and I've been craving them ever since. So I'm going to do my best to not make a ton of noise while I devour the sleeve of Thin Mints in front of me. What are What are you enjoying today? How, how are you doing? I haven't talked to you in like two weeks.
0: A lot has happened since we last spoke, soccer-wise, not a ton life-wise. But I guess when soccer is your life, it feels like you've been through the ringer. I don't know. Well, you know, you traveled. Which which of the She oh. Believe games did you go to? Right. I went to Red Bull. I got to see Christy Rampone's ceremony and talked to her at halftime in the press scrum and um, freeze to death outside. It was good.
1: Next time, next time, take press scrum out of it, and it's a much cooler story.
0: <laughs> I don't want people thinking that I like sat there and spoke to her by myself,
1: though. Why not? because that wouldn't be true it's a freaking drunk podcast i mean not everything i say that happens is true because i
0: had to publish an article based on the comments she gave to us and i don't want people thinking like i got an exclusive with her like that time what's her name you remember her who gave that interview and acted like she had asked all the questions but it was a press scrum and she was attributing other reporters questions to herself
1: Yes, I remember that one. Yeah. You guys got all up in her business. As well, we should have at acting. As like... well, you should have. Ugh, I know, I know. I was just, I was just trying to help you tell a better story for the next time you're at a bar. I can tell
0: great stories when I need to. I have lots of great. I don't need to make up a Christy Rampone halftime story to have great. I have plenty of great stories. That tell me a
1: story right now.
0: I mean, you've been there for so many
1: of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that's like, that's something I've been reflecting about a lot today because I'm about to head to LA for a Timbers game on Sunday, but I'm staying at Aaron and Summer's house. And I was thinking about this morning and I was just like, man, we've been friends for like five years and it's just because of women's soccer. That's true. Uh, I don't even like, not just because, but like, it's because of women's soccer.
0: I mean, you and I met in 20, was it 12 or 11? It was at the Frisco game. In, I think
1: it was 12, because yeah. they had just won the World Cup, and they had just done qualifiers. It was, it was that super cool game at Frisco against New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Where, Where they had man. to come back to win it or tie it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, New Zealand won it first, and I
0: don't even remember how we met. I just know somehow we agreed to share
1: a car. Yeah, I think I just put it on Twitter. I was like, hey, is Am- well, and you stayed at my hotel, like not in my room, but like. Yeah, I got yeah. you a hotel room, or like you got a hotel room at the same hotel I was yeah, staying Yeah, that's at. why it worked out with the car and we were, yeah, chilling
0: and stuff. Yeah. Oh my crazy. God. Five years. That's long enough to like build a life together with someone. Or go to college. Or go to
1: college.
0: I mean, or buy a new car and pay off that loan. Yeah. Or children who were born when we first met would now have like motor skills and would be using complete sentences and going Oh to, my like, god,
1: about to enter first grade. Jesus. My girlfriend's son is about to turn 5. Oh. I know exactly what you're talking about.
0: Right? They like go from just essentially a thing where you put food in and shit comes out and then now they're like people with personalities and 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 strengths and weaknesses. Humans are weird. Oh my god.
1: I'm I'm not even high. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Like <laughs> Oh man five years five years we should, we should have done something for like our five-year friend anniversary. no facebook at least told me that i was celebrating a five-year friend anniversary with aaron and Allie. i don't but i i don't think you and i have been friends on facebook that long this could be our friend diversity this podcast it could be we should look up i think that frisco game was in february
0: yeah i think so too
1: I was and so I think excited. it was like the coldest game I've ever been to.
0: I was excited because I was like, oh, I'm leaving behind Boston. It's going to be warm. It's like in the 60s <laughs> and 70s. <laughs> and then it dropped into the <laughs> 30s for day of game only. It was like Texas going, hey, you want to leave me and come back and try to enjoy my benefits for a couple of days? Fuck you, buddy. Fuck you. I just,
1: I just remember trying to tailgate at that game and it was so fucking cold. We just stayed in the car the whole time. And then... Like one of our one of my friends uh Lisa, didn't have like a coat or anything, so mm-hmm. I gave her like my outer shell, and I just had my inner shell and I was so fucking cold all I did was alternate between hot chocolate and Budweiser because Budweiser was the only beer served at that stadium,
0: yeah, I remember that
1: so five years later,
0: the women's national team's very different. We just went through she believes and <laughs> We just, I like how you say that. We just went through it. We that, got through it, guys. That's kind of what happened. We endured, she believes. We didn't enjoy it. We got through it. We
1: persevered. Yeah. Persisted. Nevertheless. We persisted. We persisted. <laughs> um. uh, so I just want to make it official. This was my first tournament where I officially did not tune in to any of the matches live as they were happening. I did not contribute to ratings um as part of my ban or my protest of u.s soccer but i'll talk about it on my podcast no no big deal you're not going to contribute to ratings if you watch
0: on tv unless you have a nielsen box dude like you can watch tv all you want and it's not going to do a thing for the ratings unless you have a nielsen box
1: yeah but what if i'm watching it online if you're watching
0: online yeah you're going to contribute to metrics
1: yeah i just i Um, didn't contribute to any metrics
0: unless you're using um uh, a non official stream?
1: No, I would never ever do such a thing. Uh huh. If you were
0: watching women's soccer in 2012, you are lying to me <laughs> real bad right now, <laughs> real real bad.
1: <laughs> I am I am lying real real. There's a reason I bought an apple.
0: <laughs> so she believes. Uh, I feel like kind of the unofficial summation of this tournament at the end is like, if you're not first, you're last.
1: Yeah. Boy, were it's just so anticlimactic, like to have a tournament and not have any sort of like actual championship game.
0: That's true. Although I'm sure Europeans are like, that's how it's supposed to be, right? You play whoever's <laughs> at whoever has the most points at the end is the winner. You don't need a playoff <laughs> because the season where you measure yourself against every other team is the
1: actual barometer of quality. Very true. Very accurate. Very right. I just. <laughs> It just it feel it feels weird like to have a four team tournament and then just whoever did the best won. It's I mean kinda... that makes sense. It makes sense. I need to rewire my brain. With only four teams though, the final is so dumb though. It's like... <laughs> the final would be fucking hilarious. It's like half of you made it. Great. You know, <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if uh, if she believes U.S. Soccer, whoever, is planning to expand the the teams. I don't know. Um, I
0: think they got pretty good ticket sales, despite two games were midweek in some of the shittiest weather. Uh, the last one against France, which was in an RFK, I believe, uh-huh. had like twenty thousand, despite being in the middle of the week and also weather was not super great, I wanna say. Um and then the one in the first one against Germany, that was like sixteen thousand. That was also midweek. And then Red Bull Arena, as we know, was a, a complete sellout. So
1: Yeah, which is
0: awesome. So at the very least, even if the women's team didn't get bonuses for winning, they do get a cut
1: of ticket sales. Um hopefully they got a nice little chunk out of that. It'd be nice. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see how that payout actually happens.
0: We'll see. Oh my god. Okay, we have a lot to talk about on that end too, with, like the CBA and and. Oh my god, it's so fucking. And it ties into frustrated. certain policies that have been handed down by U.S. soccer. But first, she believes, Gab, do you think Jill Ellis should be fired after this?
1: Uh, I think the precedent is there. Uh, for her to be, I think Tom Sermanni got fired for a lot less. Than she has experienced over her tenure as coach.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't. I don't think she will be, though. Uh, I don't think U.S. Soccer cares enough to fire her at this point in time. I don't think uh, there are enough outspoken players um, frustrated by the situation to be calling for her to be fired. Uh, it's a very different tone than it was in 2000. God, whoops, at 13, uh, 14, 14. Whenever Tom. Tom was let go. Twenty fourteen Algarve, yeah. Yeah, twenty fourteen. Um much different tone, much different team. I mean, I, I think you and I kind of talked about it briefly uh last time we recorded just how, you know, Algarve, or uh she believes it's a great time to give the kids a chance, right? Didn't realize give the kids a chance also meant give Jill a chance to fuck up this roster um and the lineup, but whatever. I
0: think even if you allow for, oh, she's experimenting with new formation, you know, a new tool to add for when they need to get numbers forward, she didn't demonstrate a good understanding of that formation and how to best fit the personnel we have into it.
1: It was not an effective use of those matches.
0: No. And I think she gets a lot of undeserved credit for the World Cup because I think by now everyone has pieced together... She kind of lucked into playing the personnel that she did after those cards you know had to sat had to sit key players and then in the Olympics, friggin washed out and did not look good most of the time before we washed out and then we come to she believes where we did even worse, so I mean we didn't do great and and Germany was struggling so like. There, there's no point in even going, well, at least we beat Germany one out. Yeah, but Germany kind of really didn't do so hot either. I
1: think we, before, like, we can really light up the touches and carry the the pitchforks po- pitch towards Jill's house, we really need to understand, like, what was she trying to accomplish during this tournament, right? Mm-hmm. She called in a lot of new kids. Um, she was trying out new formations. You've got to hope that she was trying to test players in in different positions, unnatural positions, to see to see how they would react and how they would respond. And unfortunately those test results weren't positive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, she didn't think that that would be the case going into it.
0: I mean, though, look at the comments from France bef- around that game where they're like, "Yeah, we knew the formation they were going to play and we and we knew if we played our formation this way, then we could exploit all the spaces." And it's like they knew exactly how to break us down, and then Jill Ellis didn't seem to know how to react. Okay, to be really, truly, scrupulously fair, everybody had a bad game. If a right. couple of players, if one or two of players on that team had had a better game on the day, game could have been different, or at least not 3 nothing. right? It could mm-hmm. have been mm-hmm. 2 nothing or 2-1. We could have gotten one back, something like that. But at the same time, I saw really not a lot of good adjustment from Jill Ellis Uh, is with her subbing and stuff. She just, her like dogged devotion to keeping Carly Lloyd in that central channel so much of the time, I think sank the team a lot because Carly had a terrible tournament. As fond as I am of her personally, she did not play well. And I think she shouldn't be such a given in that position because when she's not on, she's really not, she's just like, this lump in the middle who gets like the ball turned over a lot and doesn't pass well to her teammates.
1: It sounds like you're describing a certain other player that recently retired from the team. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like Jill has never had a strong in the match decision making quality to herself. Um, you know, she's always been a developer, she's always been a trainer. She's always kind of been the the mad scientist in the lab, but not necessarily somebody who can be like, all right, so let's go do this in real time. Has she, though? Like, I, like
0: can you name I a single mean, player she's really developed on this team? She, like, name a single player who has, like, come up and who you've seen, like, in the last two years-ish has really developed under Jill steward stewardship.
1: Oh, no, I, I absolutely would not name a single one of these players. But you have to imagine that the reason she made it through the youth program and was cultivating a lot of these players. And why she got this position in the first place was because she can do that.
0: I think she's a mad scientist in the same way in Harry Potter. You'd see the kids in potions throw shit in there, in their cauldrons, and it would blow up because they didn't quite do it right. Um, I have no faith in her to like handle personnel Um, either in a person-to-person way, like just handling, like boss-employee kind of handling. And I have no faith in her to handle players as a coach, either, making tactical decisions. Like, I don't think she knows what she's doing.
1: Well, and I feel like we're in the exact same position that we have been with her since 2015. Yeah. Like, we've we've never had a, a fully invested... I mean, that's why we thought it was laughable that she won FIFA Coach of the Year. A little bit, yeah. The The asterisk there being that, yeah, everybody knows it's popularity contest when you get to the FIFA level award. So mm-hmm. it's not actually based on merit. It's not actually based on anything that that particular person has done other than be associated with a team that has won something big.
0: I mean, think about what we found out. Um, I can't remember. It might have been Abby's book or something where she said that whenever there were big Things that needed to be talked about, like with a player, like if it was negative, Jill let the players handle that. There was like that little committee of like Abby, Christy Rampone, and I think someone else who would be breaking bad news to players. And I'm like, no, I don't think that that should be their job. It should be Jill's job to do that. Now you can talk to your other players for for support or to get advice or you know to talk to the veterans about like I, I don't know, maybe in a situational basis, it could be you could judge that like okay. I think this is going to come better like from someone like Christy Rampone. But in general, it just was a giant warning flag to me that she's not good at personnel management on the team.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's she definitely has deficiencies. And I think we've seen that. Look at the way Witt Engen was kind of asked to step away from the team. Mm-hmm. Look at a lot of her decisions that she's making. The The whole clusterfuck about how u.s soccer is handling the the taking of a knee Oh boy. um you know like like if jill were really a coach for her players and if she were really an advocate let's let's take coach out of the equation let's let's imagine that the team is a staff and jill ellis is the manager and the president of that company decided they wanted to have a policy come out that manager should be advocating for their staff and not throwing their staff underneath the bus.
0: Well, I think this is a good time then to talk about it. Um the the she believes and now performance has been kind of analyzed to death at this point. Everyone agrees we shit the bed against France. You know, we even lost to England, didn't do well against Germany despite winning. You could say like the debut of Rose Lavelle was kind of a bright point, but other than that, I couldn't yeah. really, I couldn't really name like a well, actually, this is a really nice thing for us to focus on. Other than, not really. I think this is a good transition then. I know you have thoughts on, let's just sum it up real quick. If you've been, you know, under a rock the past week, U.S. soccer passed a new policy that says if you are representing U.S. soccer at, you know, an international game, you must, quote unquote, stand respectfully for the anthem and they passed this unanimously early in February and then announced it at their annual general meeting in early March when they knew the team was going to be preparing for and playing in She Believes. That means they had a whole month in which they could have quietly told the players this is what the new policy is going to be, but instead they're like, we're going to announce this during She Believes, and then the players and the coaches made it very clear when they were all asked one million times after the game They had not heard any of it before. Becky Sauerbaum was asked directly, and she said it was the first she'd heard of it after the game. Jola's hadn't heard of it either when she was asked at the post-game match, so at the post-game presser. So I think it was done in kind of a shitty way. Um, And then besides the way it was done, the policy itself is bad. I mean, what do you think of the policy?
1: The policy itself is horrible. Freedom of expression is this awesome ideal that I I think that our country is really kind of on the fence about what it means right now. And that freedom of expression basically means that you can do what you feel is best, but but it's kind of like freedom of speech, right? Freedom of speech is like you can say whatever you want to say, but um, it just means that you won't get arrested for it. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you won't get fired. It doesn't mean that you won't get a fine. It doesn't mean that, that there won't be repercussions. Freedom of expression is, you know, we're not going to force you to do certain things against your will. And now U.S. soccer is saying, well, actually, when you're playing for a U.S. soccer uh, event or, or you're attending a U.S. soccer event, you will be forced, like, to stand or you will receive a fine if i make a merpino i'm like fine fine me they didn't say what the punishment was though they left it open right, right, right which was
0: another yeah. shitty part of the policy it's like you can't implement a rule and then not tell people
1: what the punishment is for transgressing the rule that's that's terrible policy um i i completely agree i i think i think the policy is ass backwards
0: so technically U.S. soccer can do this. I mean, many employers, most employers, can create regulations on, you know, expression from their employees. They're not a government entity, so they can do that. Although the government itself can also make certain time and place regulations on freedom of speech. It's not like an absolute right. For example, the most famous example, don't go into a crowded theater and yell fire. Stuff like that. But just because technically they can do it doesn't mean it's right there was a great article from george kureishi who runs howler he wrote it for i think washington post as a as an op-ed where he was like the signal it sends is u.s soccer has aligned themselves against black lives matter essentially
1: yep and
0: they've continued to tell black people like we don't care about you and we don't care about you being in our sport so yeah, I I think that US soccer just ignoring why Megan Rapinoe was kneeling and saying wholesale, okay, nobody else can kneel. I think there's a disservice to what she was doing. I wouldn't have categorized it as disrespectful at all as all. I think I to call attention to a situation to an injustice that is occurring to your fellow Americans is probably one of the best things that you can do. Pino gave a statement through her agent that said she will comply with the policy from now on. I would also support her if she didn't comply. I don't know. There's She has stuff at stake, too. On the one hand, sometimes things mean more when you have more at stake and you, you know, don't comply with the rule anyway. But I'm not going to judge her for going, okay, I, I made my statement and right now I can't push back against it like this cuz there's also more than her at stake. I don't know if now's a good time for any one player to be creating more tension with the federation when they don't have a CBA in place.
1: Yeah, um I think that's that's huge and it it ultimately like it is her career at this point. And things things are up in the air, right? We're we're in this Armpit of time where we don't have a CBA. I don't think NWL teams have announced who the allocated players are. Mm-mm. um Like we we know in general which ones they're gonna be, but I mean, Megan Rapinoe wasn't part of this last this last squad, right? Mm-hmm. If she made a fuss about this and said, you know, I'm gonna continue my protests, all this different stuff, could U.S. Soccer then be like, all right, well, we're gonna take away. Uh, your allocation spot. And we're going to give that to to Rose or we're going to give that to somebody else.
0: That is interesting. I mean, Crystal Dunn's spot is up right now. So they mm-hmm. have at least one spot to play around with and I really hope that actually goes to Rose Lavelle. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in general, like I can see Pino talking to her teammates about it and being like, okay guys, I still want to do it, but I understand there's a lot at stake here for you guys too. And I don't want US Soccer taking it out on you for my actions, because I could absolutely see U.S. soccer being like, okay, we're going to be petty about this and we're going to let it influence our, our negotiations. U.S. soccer has already shown the team that maybe they're not someone you can deal with in good faith, that this is the way they're going to go about implementing the policy. Right. You know, If she pushes back and it creates even more tension, then maybe it prolongs the process. There's a lot to consider.
1: Yeah, and and one of the things that kind of ruffles my feathers the most about... The the issue between the team and U.S. soccer in this specific topic is that Megan Rapinoe is the only player doing anything about it. Yeah, I, I and everybody else is okay being complacent. Yeah, I I do wish more players had joined her, or I wish more players were outspoken, or I wish more players realize like so U.S. soccer wants this team to take a position that says, "Hey, you're representing the country. Respect that." But the team also then, and U.S. soccer, has this responsibility to then represent the country. Right. And our country is not in a good spot right now. And there are things that need to get fixed and things that need to be talked about and points that need to be brought up. And this platform that they have, like Michael Bradley, I think Michael Bradley is doing a really good job about talking about things by, while not taking spotlight off soccer. I think uh, some of the
0: players have made some decent statements, like Becky Sauerbrun's, you know, anti-Muslim travel ban is un-American statement. I know Alex Morgan tweeted in support of trans people. Um, a couple other players have made, like, trans-positive tweets too, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think Megan Rapinoe so far has been, like, the most visible and definitive statement that had the most risk
1: And and I don't think she realized what the risk was when she first did it.
0: Yeah, I I don't know, because I kind of fully expected the way that U.S. Soccer responded. Really? They're not a progressive organization known for their, like, liberal tolerance. Oh, totally, totally. But, I mean, we are the land of the free. I I guess I didn't necessarily expect the policy. Um, that kind of sort of, I was taken aback, but the rest of it with like Sunil Gulati statements and stuff were, and and then, you know, Jill Ellis being like, yeah, I think you should stamp stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, I, I completely expected that. that kind sure. Of mealy sure. mouth, and,
1: spineless. You know. And I totally, totally expect that stuff. I guess where, where I take issue is more within the huddle, within the locker room. Not not even expect, like it's not an expectation as much as I would hope some unity behind these things that certain players are super passionate about.
0: Yeah, there are some players on this team who are more privileged than others and could probably take a knee, and it's not really as much of a risk to them as some other players taking a knee or making a statement, and that they won't do it, I mean right now is not a great time to be complacent or just kind of going with the flow.
1: So No, not at all. And it, it A, it, it's it's a bad image um to 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 roll over on something like this. But B, it's it's also yes, if one or two players do something, they can get singled out, they can get punished, they can do all these different things. But if you're in a contract negotiation if you're trying to create this collective bargaining unit if you're trying to to develop this cohesive group of people like there is no cohesiveness about this group we're seeing it on the pitch we're seeing it off the pitch uh it's so fluid there's so many players going through it and that's a great thing for development and for, for the growth of this of this team in the future and, and for future future tournaments. But there's no there's no tagline. There's no something that they're trying to achieve. Well I guess that's just, other than better pay.
0: That's just a natural consequence right now of being in between big goals like the big tournaments and the transitioning they're doing within the player pool. So, yeah, if there's one thing I can give Jill Ellis credit for, it's expanding the player pool. Although Tom Sermani tried, and he got fucking fired for it. So it's not like she's particularly and a visionary, I,
1: but... And I'm sure if Jill was benching uh, Carly Lloyd more often, she might be more under more pressure. Maybe, maybe.
0: Um, I also think Jill Ellis, while expanding the player pool, is not necessarily expanding it in in the right directions there are a lot of players who are being overlooked right now who could solve i think some of the problems that they're having in the midfield Um, yeah and
1: she's and she's not doing a great job of rotating while she's expanding player pool she's not doing a great job of rotating her lineups i think she's showing
0: yeah a definite lack of imagination with her like well she'll have like an initial idea and then won't be able to come with anything like Allie long okay i'll try allie long here and it's like it's it's pretty clear she's pretty bad on defense and like her distribution from there is actually not that great either so she like you've taken her from a position where she's pretty good like and can sometimes be really good into a position where it's like you know y- you your function in the kitchen is okay you're the dessert person i make desserts and then one night the boss is like can you cover sauces and it's like yes technically i can but i didn't train to make sauces so of course i'm not going to be as good as like a dedicated saucier and so, I'm not actually really that mad about Allie Long being bad in the position. It's not her fault. I mean, <laughs> I can understand her being mad that she's not, you know, super good at what our coach is asking her to do. But I, it, I still don't think it's her fault. So, yeah, I'm going to come back to Jill Ellis and be like, she's, she's mismanaging her personnel.
1: Yeah, I, that's exactly it. I mean, if you want Allie Long to go play defense, then you better practice Ali Long playing defense and give her the tools she needs in order to be successful in that role. At this level, you don't just throw like this isn't the youth system where you just throw players into different positions and hope that they have the natural ability to do it. They've been training their entire adult careers to play those one or two positions.
0: And everybody's like so specialized now. It's so much harder to just move people around or convert people from one position to another. Here's like a controversial opinion too. I can understand keeping Becky Sauerbrunn in that back three to like keep it organized, but I don't think that she's best out there on the right side of that, on either side of the back three. If you're gonna force Becky Sauerbrunn out of the center, I think you want someone like Allie Krieger on the right instead.
1: I mean, we just got burned so many times on defense, and it it just gets painful to watch. And, and it's one of those things where I, I, I it just comes back, and we, we talked about it at the beginning, it, that I just think Jill is a better youth development coach than she is a senior-level manager. I don't think she's a good youth
0: development coach either, based on well,
1: what she's doing with players right now. Yes, I, I would also argue that, but I, I – I, her position would be better suited. Her her skills would be better suited at a youth level, not at senior team level. Yeah.
0: I mean, so much Which then makes me
1: concerned about what our coaching prospects are in this country. So
0: much of advancement, though, in U.S. soccer. It's about kissing the right ass and shaking the right hands, you know?
1: Right. Which is also why we have this fucking stupid mandate now. Uh, do you know...
0: Because Kim- Kim- you, ruff-
1: when- you ruffle feathers and now the hammer gets... Throne. okay so
0: final vote jill Ellis should be fired or not
1: well that's that's a hard question to answer because my my gut says yeah it's time to get somebody else in there who can actually get us another world cup lead us through another cycle and now's the time to find that person but i also say no because u.s soccer is not going to fire her I mean,
0: it, it's, I'm not asking you what you think will happen. I'm asking you what you want to happen.
1: I would like for a competent manager to take over this team and motivate the players so that they are producing, they are performing at their best. You think Laura Harvey would be in the running? I don't know. I I don't I don't know if if Laura Harvey would. I that. That blew my mind, that concept, <laughs> that idea right there, just in general. She did okay with the U23s in La Manga.
0: hmm uh-huh. But that's just one tournament in La Manga <coughs> that she just did okay with. So, hmm. Okay, well, Ellis doesn't know how to manage personnel, but I think a lot of times the national team overcomes their lack of good coaching because they have such good individual talent, and rightly or wrongly that's landed some of these players on the fief pro 2016 world 11 mm-hmm. okay the four national team players who made it were hope solo ali krieger to ta- carly lloyd and alex morgan so far i think
1: it's important to note that this is a player voted yeah it was about
0: 3200 players voted from like 40 50 fifa nations um and then 9 Americans were on the short list. The 5 who didn't make it were Julie Johnston, Megan Klingenberg, Becky Sauerbrunn, Tobin Heath, and Megan Rapino. And you are supposed to take club performance into account. So, I don't know why you would rank Tobin Heath behind Carly Lloyd
1: <laughs> because Carly Lloyd scored
0: a goal from midfield. Carly Lloyd had a lot of goals in in 2016. She did have, like, a lot more goals than Tobin Heath for the national team. But a lot of those goals came against, you know, shitty teams. And then in a competitive situation, like at the club level, Tobin Heath was just friggin' on fire left and right for Portland. Mm -hmm. But then again, you know people voting
1: in countries that don't follow our club season are not going to know that. So Right, right. And I I think I think that's a huge talking point for anything FIFA is. Just, you know, NWSL isn't at at the same level for as a lot of the other international leagues, um especially the European leagues, but uh I, I just don't know how big the awareness is. So so people may not know that Tobin has had an amazing year. Um, probably her, her best year as a professional. Yeah. Um, I also while I appreciate that this is a player voted on thing, it's still a popularity contest.
0: Mm-hmm. It's, there, and the name recognition going on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like
0: with the Defenders, I don't know from twenty sixteen. That I would rank Ally Krieger over Becky Sauerbrunn, and it wasn't just over Becky Sauerbrunn. the The ranking among the Americans were was Ally Krieger made it, and then they ranked uh, Julie Johnston seventh, Klingenberg eighth, and Becky Sauerbrunn eleventh in defender voting. It's just ass backwards. Yeah. Once again, if you take club into account, I think that does give Ally Krieger a boost because even though she kind of faded from the national team scene. She did help the spirit run to the championship game. Although if they're taking that into account, then they're not doing it for Toby
1: So there's no consistency exactly. happening. Exactly. Exactly. So we um, can't we can't say that out Al- like, Al- like people love Allie Krieger. People love Allie Krieger. They she, love Yeah, she's
0: lovable, but
1: Yeah. But that doesn't mean that she's 2000... 2000 Eleven, two thousand fourteen, two thousand fifteen. 2014, 2015, yes. Ally Krieger should be on that list.
0: Yeah, but 2016 Allie Krieger is not the best American defender.
1: No, it's, it's just like a 2016 Hope Solo. Not the best goalkeeper in the world. So in the
0: ranking of the goalkeepers, they had number one Hope Solo, number two Hedvig Lindahl for Sweden. And mm-hmm. as you might remember, <laughs> one of those two keepers... Maybe had a better Olympics than the other. I don't know.
1: Mm. Right.
0: So once again, if you're going by international and not club, then what's going on
1: here? It's just frustrating that we put much so much stock in some of these things. It's just it's it's frustrating because we give these awards and accolades to players. It like it comes back to to this historic precedence not not like historic like monument or anything but this precedence that's been set that if you have name recognition you are good at soccer the
0: with the forwards too alex morgan was not the number one forward in the world in 2016 she, and she was voted number has, one ahead of ada hegerberg and eugenie le Sommet. she right.
1: has never been the number one forward i think you could argue maybe in
0: 2012 she was I mean,
1: she was brand new. She
0: was the rookie of the year in 2012. But she, and she had an outstanding performance in 2012. I don't I don't think although once again, you know, the United States sometimes gold numbers are a little inflated because if but 2012 was an Olympic year. Alex Morgan had a standout year. I think you could have argued then, you know, for number 1 in the world. There there was a time when for me when I saw Alex Morgan on the field, I was like everyone else needs to be shitting their pants right now she was that terrifying um i don't think in 2016 she was that terrifying no not not ahead of ada hegerberg anya mittag you know uh some of these let's see they put christine sinclair 13th behind like lotta ramona bachman god they Alvarez. wouldn't
1: even make her number 12
0: <laughs> no
1: show some respect
0: i think christine sinclair had a better year than ramona bachman in 2016
1: oh uh, yes yeah. Christine Sinclair's getting pretty close to uh Mary's record. Just okay, just so, so conspiracy knock, theory time. Okay. US soccer can't score goals.
0: Okay.
1: US soccer having problems. I'm I'm assuming they're having problems between coaching and players. Mm-hmm. Christine Sinclair is quickly approaching breaking a record. Mm-hmm. Abby has found new happiness in her life. Okay. Does Abby come out of retirement? <laughs>
0: why would you even put that into the universe like
1: <laughs> does abby pull a landon donovan and go yeah you know i'm feeling better like i've kind of I've, I've made some life changes and and things are, are kind of working out for me now um yeah let's let's give this another try I don't I'd, know. i'd really i'd really like another farewell match where we actually fucking win and i actually fucking score a goal Even if she did come out and tallied
0: some more goals, I don't think Christine Sinclair is actually all that fussed with breaking the record. Because you look at Algarve, uh, their first game, I believe, there was a penalty called, and she had every right to stand over that PK, but I believe she gave it to Jeanine Becky instead. Or this might have been a friendly. It was a recent game for Canada where Christine Sinclair could have taken the PK, and she's like, nope, I think this young kid should take it. For uh, several different reasons, including she needs a confidence boost, and you know it doesn't always have to be me. So you know she's had opportunities to to bump her record up, and she hasn't taken them because she's you know deemed that other things are
1: more valuable. I uh, do not think it's a Christine Sinclair issue. I think it's an Abby Wambach. No, issue. it's not a Christine Sinclair issue. I made it a Christine Sinclair <laughs> issue. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like. <laughs> Christine Sinclair, okay, let's talk about her. She's getting really close to the record, and I, tra- I transferred us over into the conspiracy, yeah. th- conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory world. I think Christine Sinclair would be totally okay, like if she never broke another record in her career, but she was just on winning teams. Yeah,
0: if she left behind a strong legacy of like a bunch of kids who can score, you
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, so. if she left behind that legacy, if she helps mentor those kids, if she helps raise the profile of soccer in in Canada, yeah. um, hasn't she said before
0: she would give up every single personal accolade ever for Canada to win a World Cup? She'd give everything up, every personal I'm, thing ever. I'm sure she's made
1: that deal with the devil somewhere, <laughs> the
0: Canadian devil. And, though.
1: Yeah, the Canadian devil. So the compromise was, well, we'll give you bronze at the, at the Olympics twice.
0: Uh, but in exchange you'll never get recognized by FIFPro or for the blonde or
1: (laughs) in exchange you'll never get to go to sweden for an awards ceremony Mm. switzerland i believe you mean switzerland Switzerland. yeah sorry
0: (laughs) switzerland zurich um yeah i i don't know i i guess i don't really begrudge any of the players getting awards it's nice to get awards and stuff like that and it it doesn't particularly hurt the game right now i guess although in some ways it does give some players more leverage to stay around longer than they should or to get more time on the field than they should because they're being overestimated by their coaches
1: name names you can just say carly lloyd it's okay steph Yeah, you can just say Carly Lloyd. It's not like she listens to this podcast. She's not going to at you and be like, oh, my God, what are you talking about? She can't at me. She she can't block me (laughs) twice. (laughs) What was that? You can't block me twice. (laughs) Exactly. See, she's not listening to this podcast. So it's okay. Like, it's okay to have an opinion about a soccer player. Like, as long as you're not aggressively, like, (laughs) throwing your opinion in their face
0: yeah i don't i don't like it when people at soccer players especially after games are like you were bad in that game it's like yeah i think they know that they were bad like they're professional can like, yeah. they tell when things <laughs> are good or bad they also just lost three to nothing so
1: why are you like adding ally long and being like you were really bad it's like she knows yeah uh oh. the, the results of the game also echoes that sentiment although that, i yeah, don't know you, if... you were not
0: playing well Immediately afterwards, if Allie Long actually did know she was bad or not, she made a lot of excuses. But it was right after the game; emotions were high. Someone should have taken her phone away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just stop searching for your name. If I somebody know. doesn't at you, don't go looking for it. Uh, she's only human, you know. She's I know. She's I know. A, it's it's. She had a bad night. Everybody wants to know, right? Yeah. Everybody googles themselves. They shouldn't. God, that should be like should. do not do when not you join Google the team. Yourself. And
0: before every single major tournament, Aaron Heifetz needs to get up there and be like, Here are some basic rules we're all gonna follow during this tournament. One, after every game, no searching your name. Two, after every game, everybody's phones go in the pillowcase. I'll just go around the locker
1: room. Not even after, just like, Okay, you arrived. Phones in the basket. Yeah. Before you get off the bus.
0: Yeah. Um and then you cool down. You do your ice bath or whatever, just kind of bring it back down, and then you can come get your phone from me. That was a rough night for everybody. <laughs> it was. It was. It was. It- I'm finally jaded enough, and I guess I've been paying attention to the program long enough that I, like, I wasn't living and dying with these results. I was like, well, these things happen. We're probably going to lose our number one ranking now. It's just a number. As long as we improve as a team. Yay, America. <laughs>
1: It's funny because like I feel like all of my negative emotions uh have to be directed toward our government, and mm. so sport to me now is like, uh, it's not really that big of a deal, <laughs> no, yeah, people out here like losing their health care in the streets, so you know, yeah, in, like in, people in are country. literally dying in the streets, oh. yeah, uh, so we didn't play well. You know, that sucks. But that's maybe something we, that we can somebody fix. Should get fired. Ma- maybe. Maybe.
0: All right. So to close out, know. NWSL is almost upon us. Teams are opening preseason. At the time, of this record date breakers start preseason around the 13th, and I assume uh, most other teams are going to start as well because that's next week Monday.
1: Yeah, I think most everyone has posted that Monday is the first day.
0: Yep, and that means players are returning to their teams. There's been some last minute trades. I think Becca Moros just got traded. <laughs> Back to Kansas City. (laughs) So this preseason, this preseason, NWSL has everything. New sponsorship deal, new broadcast in place, and the hottest rumor in Florida, Marta. Marta might be joining the Orlando Pride.
1: (laughs) Oh, I know how hard that was for you. Good job. Maybe my sex tape? Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um... I think the um, first person who broke it was Women's Soccer
1: Weekly, and... I, I like how we call them people. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, the, no, the no first... but I mean, there is a person behind it, but I was like, I was expecting you to name a name, and then you're like, um, Women's Soccer um, Weekly.
0: It was Michelle Style at Women's Soccer Weekly. There we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. And uh, Michelle had a couple sources who were like, yeah, Mark is coming to Orlando. Orlando obviously hasn't said anything, but... A couple other people have been like, yeah, they're in very advanced talks. I think that was Dan Laletta. I wouldn't be surprised. Although Rosengard had, uh, I think it was a team owner, gave an interview where he's like, she's under contract with us through the rest of our 2017 season. If someone wanted to buy out that contract, it would be very expensive. So it wasn't a no. It was just a, it would be expensive to make happen. Meanwhile, Orlando has a, what, uh, I think they have a, that Brazilian investor. He's the, he's on the part of their ownership group now, or maybe, mm-hmm. and he's got some deep pockets. And Orlando, you know, maybe wanting to increase their connection to the Brazilian community and could could be big because NWSL is a lot more accessible in Brazil than the Demos Ven scan. I think it is.
1: It would, it would be, it's an interesting proposition. Um, I mean it's huge it's it's a huge rumor and it would be a huge acquisition if it were if it if it came to fruition. I don't know. It's it's one of those things that just kind of makes me wonder like kind of getting into our our nerdy talk again, but like how does the money work in NWSL?
0: So I think buying out Marta's contract obviously that doesn't count towards salary cap because you're not paying right. her you're buying out her contract from her club. Um Right. And that's just a club expenditure that I guess they're allowed to make. It's the same way if a club is like, well, we're not paying a player, but we are going to pay for some like amenities or whatever. Or, or no, something. and
1: yeah. I, I completely understand yeah. that. Uh, uh, but Marta but, uh, does not make $35,000 a year.
0: No, I but I think she's going to get compensated in other ways and live a very nice life, probably have a nice apartment, nice car, and you know live in beautiful Orlando where it's not... Cold as fuck, yeah, do
1: you think Allie Riley's coming with her?
0: God, I would love it, I would love it if she did I know
1: i I want her to get over her like I don't because I ap- totally appreciate that she has just said no to the end from the start, but I, I kind of want her to like be like, all right, all right, you're five, I'll give you guys a chance. Allie Riley's getting
0: up there in age, right? I think she's in her thirties now, or if she's not, she's very close. um she's as old as Kelly kelly o'hara she's twenty she's twenty nine so but she's a defender. So she could have, yeah. you know, a couple good couple of years left. She's still been pretty safe. Hey, for. You know family. what?
1: If Allie Krieger is the number one defender in the world. Then Allie Riley shouldn't have a problem.
0: Yeah, yeah. Allie Riley will be alright. Yeah. Uh yeah, Orlando's defense could maybe use the help a little bit from Allie Riley. If you bring in her and Marta, you've got
1: Allie Krieger and Allie Riley on the same back line. And you've got Ashlyn Harris who, you know, Ally Riley, Marta harris and morgan that's all a western new york the... flash
0: reunion sort yeah. of yeah with that plus krieger
1: plus krieger who's made it to you know she's had to her own successes in mm-hmm. the nwsl um, i don't know i think i think it would be cool i would, um, I would love it because I, I don't I, think it's gonna bust
0: anybody's budget because of the tight salary cap
1: yeah no i i just i am intrigued as to what the cost would actually look like mm-hmm yeah, there's
0: going to be a lot of non-salary costs involved. And, you know, no, remembering totally. Marta can't make more than the lowest paid NWSL player either. Right. I mean, lowest paid national team player, sorry. So, yeah, it's not like Marta's going to come here and get paid $500,000 or whatever that ridiculous rumor number was. No, um, no. And no. she has her sponsors. A lot of people were very quick to point out to me she gets a, a lot of her salary paid by, by sponsors, Um she probably has mad sponsor money because she's Marta. I, there's not a lot of one-name footballers in women's soccer. I would say there's Mia, retired, Marta. You could maybe make an argument for Abby and Hope, but yeah, there's not not a lot of one-name, just she is Marta, instant sure. game-changer.
1: She has the value, right? She She totally is worth it. She deserves everything she gets. I just... I look at it and I go, Is it helping the NWSL? I think it will. And my 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 vote would lean toward yeah. Yeah. Like I'm um, I personally I think my season ticket is like fourteen bucks a game. If I can see Marta play for fourteen dollars, yes please.
0: Yeah. It's
1: not just good for
0: Orlando. I mean, we were already talking about everyone's moaning, oh, Crystal Dawn left, Carly's going to be gone, Heather O'Reilly left, blah, blah, blah. And we were like, well, that can be balanced out by bringing in other top names to the league because it shows that, you know, it goes both ways. We had Amandine Henry, Henry, and now Marta comes in, it's like, yeah, NWSL is fine.
1: Yeah, it's totally fine. And especially if we're playing the Swapparoo thing, like, it even is better than fine. Because it, it's attracting top talent from other countries. And it's making it so that we're less reliant on our domestic players. And they get to go off and learn a different way to play.
0: Yeah. And we're attracting them without the, you know, promise of Man City or Chelsea money, too. We're doing right. it on the quality of the league and the quality of the play. It's like, how else are they going to entice Marta to come to NWSL? You know? Just because they can offer yeah. great, great amenities doesn't necessarily mean she's going to give up Sweden, which is a... I think a pretty good comfort zone for her. She's been there a while. Um Yeah,
1: it's it's totally an excellent comfort zone and she doesn't have to fucking travel. Yeah. Like what we forget about is with NWSL, these players are putting their bodies through a gauntlet. That Orlando to
0: flight is a killer. Fuck
1: me. Yeah, every it, like being in Orlando, I couldn't like yeah, North Carolina's right there now and Houston's a little bit away a, a, a little bit further away, but it's just one of those things where it's like, man, over in Sweden they're taking a bus from match to match. Like if she comes over here, like that's going to be the test. Is can does she have the stamina I mean, to do the whole it, season?
0: She handled it in WPS, but then again she was what, 5, 6 years younger in WPS, so I'll
1: And say. they didn't have West Coast teams.
0: Yeah, after LA Soul folded, yeah. Um, oh, well,
1: they had FC Gold Pride. For the whole thing? No, not for the whole thing. But she played yeah, for FC they Gold f- Pride. They... Yeah, but that was like nine years ago.
0: No, it wasn't. Oh, my God. what? Oh, no. It would have been she... like, so 2009, so only like eight years ago.
1: <laughs> yeah, okay. Eight years ago. Oh, <laughs> seven or eight <laughs> years ago. Uh, I mean, what? she was a young pup the, eight years ago.
0: The one thing I don't want to hear about Marta is like League Killer Because I don't blame her for asking for what she's worth. I blame owners for overspending, being foolish enough to be like, okay, I can afford that. You know? Totally. Just taking the gamble. The employee has every right to to demand what they think it's worth. It's not their job to make sure that the business can afford them. So.
1: Yeah, uh, the supply and demand,
0: right? Yeah. If you can't afford Marta's price tag, then she can go somewhere else or, you know... The way the market works, if she's still demanding that price tag elsewhere and they're not giving to her, then she'll have to bring down her price, and then that benefits you. You know, I don't blame her for whatever, however much money that she asks for. She knows what yeah, she's worth. Yeah, or
1: whatever sort of setup she she gets set up.
0: Yeah, she knows what she's worth, and
1: I'm glad that she's demanding it. So good for you. Kudos, kudos to Orlando if they get her. I think that that's gonna be a game changer. I I think I think a lot of what's happened in the last couple of years with acquiring international, uh big international names are <clears throat> our potential to be paving the way in our league to setting us up so that we can do that more frequently. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just gonna be a testament like uh teams like Boston, you guys also rely heavily on or have in the past relied heavily on Brazilian players, right?
0: Uh, sort of. Yeah. We, our coach thought he had a good connection. Tom Durkin tried to bring in yeah. Some, although to a certain extent, uh, his plans got interfered with by the, the Olympics. So sure. part of it. I, I, well. I just,
1: I just think that, that, um, we take two different approaches for international players. We, we try to get ones that maybe are lower tier players mm-hmm. that are looking for a new opportunity and then we try to attract top talent and i like the way that we're attracting top talent and how it's not this like sudden exodus from any one particular league to come here but we're getting a few players from australia we're getting a few players from japan we're getting a few players from europe um all, all the different areas that it, i don't know it seems it feels really balanced and, and i kind of like the the profile that N- nwsl is putting together. Me too. I guess that's
0: good to end on an optimistic note. Preseason's about to start. Things looking good. I know, you know, there's been a little bit of um, discussion recently about uh, maybe Lifetime putting the kibosh on local broadcast teams, because a lot of the local guys like Dan Letta who did Sky Blue and then Sudikov, Scott Sudikov who did uh, Breakers, they're all being told, you know, thanks for your service but we won't be using you this season. That's. We'll talk about that next episode. But I think, in general, feeling positive going into preseason. Totally. Anything you'd like to tell our listeners, Gab?
1: Not really. I mean, we've done a lot of talking uh, during this episode. Um, preseason is going to be fun. Um, I think that the getting the schedule, uh, that was something that we didn't really talk a lot about, was, was the schedule and, and the way it looks. But I really like it. It's it's really spread out. We don't have a lot of like midweek games. Um, taking some breaks here and there to to try to let the national team players do their thing. Um, all in all, I, I I think NWSL is kind of doing a pretty good job. Now let's just see what they do to fill in the gap for Jeff um, now that he's backing away. Yeah, I guess
0: happy trails, Jeff. I don't know. You had your good things and your bad things. Whatever. You
1: kept, you kept us going.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: You you didn't fail.
0: I guess he got the lifetime and A and E deal done, but like, does that? Oh god, so many questions. Next episode. Next episode. <laughs>
1: We're already all right, dude. Yeah. Have a good one. Oh, yeah, sure, whatever.